Welcome to this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, we are joined with one of the most fantastic ultra runners around right now. Uh, Cole Crosby is coming on the show. Uh, and specifically, I, I wanted to hear about Cole's experience running this really cool, interesting, quirky race uh, called the Speed Project. Uh, the Speed Project is kind of, I don't know how to describe it really. It's kind of like an underground ultra running race where a handful of people will start um, in Los Angeles and they have to get themselves to Las Vegas. Uh, the way they choose to go is totally up to them. Um, which route they're taking, how they're how they're tackling this challenge is is really up to them uh and they get to go and it's kind of like a choose your own adventure remember those books back in the day the choose your own adventure books um it's sort of like that uh cole decided he wanted to do and we'll get into this whole story so i don't want to give too much away but he decided he wanted to do like the original route for this thing and the original route wasn't super direct it wasn't super straightforward um, he added a whole bunch of miles and he absolutely crushed it. This is over 300 miles um, that Cole ran. And the way he describes it sounds like everything fell into place for him. And he just had this kind of wonderful, near perfect experience getting himself to Las Vegas. Um, if you're curious about like what this event looks like, uh, you can check out Robbie Ballinger. They're doing their series run across America uh, on YouTube. And the very first episode of that, Robbie, uh, who I had on the podcast a few months ago at this point, um, they took this or he took this challenge on and they filmed it. They put it together as kind of like the intro um, to this guy Williams run across America. So you can check that out. Uh, it'll kind of give you more like of a visual idea of what this whole thing's about. But even beyond that, Cole, uh, who's on the show today, he has done all sorts of amazing things in ultra running. He has really, really big goals. Um, he, he wants to perform at his most elite and it's pretty awesome. So he also did this fantastic episode on the Adventure Jogger recently, uh, which is one of my favorite podcasts in the like ultra running community. Um, I think Ryan and Jeff do an amazing job over there. So go ahead and check that out as well. And, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. This is the like a Bigfoot podcast number 333, 333 with Cole Crosby. I think you're my first Rhode Islander. Uh, Cole. So I'm here with Cole Crosby. Cole is an absolutely like mind-blowingly phenomenal runner. Uh, and I'm so excited to kind of like just dive into all, all sorts of crazy things, including uh, the your big uh, speed project, which was from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. So that's kind of going to be the big thing I want to hear about, but but we'll dive all over the place. But anyways, welcome, Cole. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, man. I want to ask this first, actually. So you got to tell me this, man. Big accomplishment. First place at the 7-Eleven free Slurpee Day Ultra. Do you get free Slurpees for life? 
Uh, no, only on 7-Eleven. <laughs> but anyone can get free slushies on 7-Eleven as long as you have the app. So that's what that's what matters. <laughs> Tell me about that race. What is that? Um, so uh, just with the kind of New England crew, um, Jimmy Mack, he's a personality. It's on the Cultura podcast. Okay. Um, he's also a race director as well. And he puts on this event where he just did this for fun, um, I guess, years back. And just linked a bunch of 7-Elevens together on 7-Eleven. And the whole stipulation is you have to run, I think it's like seven or eight 7-Elevens through Connecticut. Yeah. And you have to stop and finish drinking one free Slurpee at every single one. And so, uh, you know, excellent training. Um, uh -huh. so, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Honestly, it's not really a super competitive event or anything like that. We just, a bunch of friends get together and we do this just crazy 7-Eleven run. So. Let Pretty me cool. ask how how many Seven Elevens in before you were just like tired of Slurpees? Uh, four. <laughs> yeah, like after the midday sun kind of uh, kind of came and went, I was just like, I, I, they had sugar free, and I was like, <laughs> give me the sugar free Slurpees, please, because like the amount of sugar that you're just eating is just it's not good. So not but recommended. Anyway, not recommended. Par parental discretion uh, advised, but um. Again, good training for your gut. So, man, I uh, there's this awesome book. I don't know if you ever read it. It's called Endure, um, and I can't remember who it's by. If I was smarter, I would know the author just from the top of my head, but I don't. But it's called Endure, and it's kind of cool. It takes like each factor that could stop you in an endurance race. You know, like distance, uh, calories, water, heat, and it like explores what it takes. But I, I I like studied the heat one. I was like, I'm studying this thing. And it's mentioned that if you drink a Slurpee or like a cold, icy, like a iced, whatever, like a snow cone, basically, and you had that before heading out into the heat, it actually allows you to like, it like, I don't know, somehow it allows you to withstand the heat a little bit more. There's, read the book. It's, there's some cool stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I believe it. I think by the fourth one, though, I, th I think the effects are kind of null and void at that point. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, but I'm more. sure I'm sure I was feeling pretty good, at least after the first few. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I, I do want to hear about like, just how did you get involved in ultras? I guess the other thing I was looking at is you kind of started at least according to ultra sign up in like 2013. Um, that's when I started, too, which is uh it's a great year uh it produced amazing athletes like cole um and then it produced me uh not not as much i was looking actually we did the east coast versus west coast 50k oh yeah and you got first in that yeah that's fun that was yeah, good dude. that was covid you know <laughs> so you got first and i got 207th so there you go well i was trying i was trying to go fast so you know <laughs> I was hopefully I could finish up there. I was trying to represent the East Coast. Anytime it's East Coast versus West Coast, I tried to uh, throw down. Yeah, dude, the East Coast, East Coast just kicked butt in that one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but, I think so. Yeah, I don't. I, it's it was such a that was, feels like years <laughs> eons ago, but um, I don't know. I think Michael Wardian showed up for that one too, so I think we had a pretty good uh, East Coast contingent. That's awesome, man. I do want you to kind of like talk up the east coast trail running scene um because i think it's great i i loved running in like the appalachian mountains and stuff like that when i was out there uh it's a total 
I don't know. It's just kind of like a different feel. Like, do you get that at all? Like you've raced everywhere. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so, you know, predominantly I grew up on the East coast. I mean, I've run going to, um, school out in Oklahoma. I mean, I've run trails kind of in that, like kind of Texas, Oklahoma, Southwestern kind of vibe a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then just with racing, I've been able to go all over the place, but definitely the East coast is a fondness for me. Just the, the deep dark woods, um, the, um, wet, mossy, muddy trails, um, you don't always get a lot of people on them either. So you can get, uh, even if you're like in a big metropolitan or like urban area, you can oftentimes like where I live in Rhode Island, there's some state forest land that I can go out on and never see a single soul. Yeah. Um, and you're only again, you know, 20 miles away from uh, a major metropolitan area. So that's something that I really enjoy and like, and that I don't think people pay attention to. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I think what the West coast has some incredible trails too. I mean, every place has great, uh, great trails in its own right, but I'll definitely support the East coast all the way. Cause they're not easy. They're yeah. ankle breakers. They're yeah. tough. They're challenging. You got to have a lot of mental fortitude and concentration. Um, cause a lot of times one misstep and you're injured, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, but I, I think that they're definitely what has helped me, uh, you know, become the athlete that I've been able to become, especially from a mental standpoint, which I think that's my, my strong suit. So, yeah, there's no switchbacks. There's spider webs all over your face the whole time, especially if you're leading the pack. Uh, you're, you're the one knocking all the spider webs down for sure. That's the truth. That's why I usually wear a ball cap, you know, just, uh, at least, at least it gets on the hat rather than on my actual head, you know? Yeah. There's been moments I remember I was like, man, if anyone could have seen me, I probably looked crazy because I would just hit a spider web and there'd be a spider there. And then I'd just be like smacking my hair and like freaking out on the trail. But yeah, um, I want to hear a bit. So you're a competitive runner, uh, kind of your whole life. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I've been running most of my whole life. Um, I, um, you know, ran, uh, I guess, you know, the gym class mile kind of thing. Um, that was around like sixth grade and uh the gym teacher was the seventh eighth grade cross country coach i was like hey when you turn in when you're you know you're ready for seventh grade you should try out for this team and you know obviously at that age you're just like what the heck is cross country am i like running through like cornfields or something and like you have to i thought it was orienteering to be honest um until i showed up for the first practice i was like oh okay we're doing these weird drill things and like we're like doing sprints i'm like this is different Um, and that's where I kind of fell in love with it. You know, I was always one of those kids that had tons of energy, uh, played all different sports, basketball, baseball, soccer, all that stuff. Um, I just was always that kid that like never got tired. Right. And, uh, from there I kind of developed, I was always, uh, I, I would say I'm an athlete that has a chip on it, on a shoulder. I've always been, uh, good. I've had talent, but I've always, I've always had a lot of negative flack throughout my whole entire life. Um, you know, I was not a, a state champion, you know, my, our, our, our team, we did make it to States, which was amazing. Um, but like, I wasn't, you know, I was maybe, I don't know, top say 125 in the state or something like that in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, so I was not a world beater, you know, I was a walk on, on a, a great collegiate program, got my ass handed to me every day. Yeah. Um, you know, new recruits coming in, all that stuff. And I was just lucky to be on a team. Right. And, um, from that point. 
once I graduated, I kind of uh, dabbled in with shorter trail races, um, got linked up with kind of like um, a post-collegiate marathon crew, a lot of University of Oklahoma alumni, um, trained for the Oklahoma City Marathon, and I really made the push into ultra when um, that winter, the marathon was for Oklahoma City was in April. I did a 50K in Arkansas called the White Rock 50K. Yeah. It's a like a fat ass event, no, no fees, no frills, that kind of stuff. And set the course record. Yeah. Uh, I ran like 351, not knowing what I was doing. I, I think all I ate was a banana and like chugged a bunch of Gatorade, had tons <laughs> of GI problems, and uh, just like blew up uh, elegantly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what's funny is that they changed the course after that year. So like that course time will always stand. So I'm like, <laughs> I have, I know I have at least one course record that will last forever. Um <laughs> So that's kind of, so you really... did a, you did a 50 K before the marathon or after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt like, I felt like if I could do, if I could do well in this 50 K is yeah. on, it's on dirt, dirt roads and stuff. I'm like, I should be fine for the Oklahoma city marathon. And yeah. it did translate well. Like I was, uh, I was second place. Um, I think I ran like 236 or 237, somewhere around there. Crazy yeah. negative split. Yeah. Uh, I went out very, I went out conservative, like 120. Uh, like three or 124 and then i remember doing like 5 15 5 10 minute miles the last like 10 miles into the finish um and funny story um you know having oklahoma connections in that race i actually camille harem was running she yeah. won the marathon for the ladies and i ended up actually passing her at this pivotal section of the course um there's kind of like a uh really like a lake that gets some crazy wind headwinds yeah and that's where i kind of uh caught up with where she was and then just kept kept motoring home and just kept going um but you know small world right so yeah dude that's, that's amazing it's the yeah that should be like a new marathon training just mindset wise like if you can do a 50k you can totally do a marathon so you should sure. go that route <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i don't know I, uh you know again this is 2012 2013 i mean um you know when we're kind of naive and just kind of young into into the sports like you know those kinds of things happen and luckily it worked out yeah what did you mean when you said you blew up elegantly like <laughs> what does that mean um i did a lot of like uh walk slash running kind of stuff uh -huh. up, up some of these climbs and, and everything and i'm just like i went from probably running like in the six to maybe low seven minute pace to like eight or nine yeah um you know, and this is at the time I was using like the Timex watches where like, you don't know what your pace is, but like you could do the math when you, you know, when you finish and stuff. But I, I knew I was running the slowest I had ever done in years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Hey, yeah, I was, I was only at that point, I was only like two miles from the finish. So I might as well just crawl in. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. I, I do want to know, and we'll get into, you know, obviously this the the speed project and all of that but i do want to know like obviously you're a very competitive guy like you don't you just you can't finish first or in the top five without having that competitive instinct or that competitive mindset um when you mentioned the chip on your shoulder kind of deal like what does that what does that mean to you and how does that come to play in an ultra i'm always fascinated by people who can be competitive in these really long events because you have to be 
like your brain has to be on that mode that whole entire time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, when we talk about like the imposter syndrome, I definitely think that I had that, um, you know, I was lucky, I think early on in my career, I partnered up with some good, some good brands. I got signed by Mammut North America when I first started, which was awesome. Like, quote unquote, a pseudo professional, if you want to yeah. call it at that time, it wasn't much of anything, but it was, it was at least something while I was going to grad school. And, um, you know, from there, you know, I got to kind of stick my nose in things like guys that I was racing with that were at the top of sport were like Dylan Bowman, Sage Cannaday, um, Matt Flaherty, um, just like that kind of crew, like Magdalena Boulay showed up. Uh, the big race that we used to run because um, I was going to grad school in Cortland near Ithaca, New York, was the Cayuga Trails 50 mile. Okay. Um, and, and Ian Golden, who was my boss at the time, I worked at the Finger Lakes Running Company. Um, he was recruiting all these top athletes coming in. And I remember the first year I ran it, my first 50 mile, I blew up. I think I finished like eighth or ninth place, eight hours. Um, I ran with Yusin Daboon, um, awesome guy. And, uh, and from there, I kind of got hungry. Like I was always good, but I wasn't, again, I wasn't like at the elite, elite, elite level. And I did a lot of the USATF circuit. So yeah. I tried to get good at 50K to 100K. I'd ran the Comset 50K a, a bunch of times in Long Island. Got my PR down to three hours and three minutes. Um, that was, I think, good for like six that year. Um, you know, I ran with guys like Eric Sensman one of the years. Um, so, uh, you know, Michael Wardian, I was always chasing him at a race called Tussie Mountainback, which was a USA 50 mile road championship event. Yeah. I had in my mind that I wanted to get really good at 50 miles and then gradually work my way up. And when I look back on things in terms of like garnering more media attention, if I had made more of a jump to 100 miles, I think the myself as a brand probably would be more people would know more of me. Yeah. To be completely honest with you, because, um, again, I wasn't running American records in 50 miles. You know, I was good enough to run five hours and 40 minutes. I think um, what was it? 2014, I did five hours, 47 minutes it was <laughs> at the Can Lake race, which was um, it still stands the record. No watch like I. I I used a Timex watch, so I had no idea what pace I was going. Yeah. No carbon plated shoes, like makeshift nutrition and uh, a hilly course, you know, like 6,000 feet of elevation gain. And all the times in front of me were all on tracks or like flat. Yeah. Like paths. Um, Dude, that's so that's in like, it's almost unfathomable to even think about that, you know? Yeah. And, but, you know, I mean, there's the thing, the thing for me now at this point in my career is like, there's so many other athletes that have these kind of stories that no one knows about. Yeah. And so a lot of what I'm try been trying to do is I want to try to like rally some of these East coast athletes to be able to tell our story because, you know, I'm not the only one I, I know it. Yeah. And so if, you know, at this point in my career, I'm kind of like in my mid thirties, I'm kind of hit my stride, I guess. And I just want to pull people up and pull them along and be able to, you know, get respect where it's, it's deserved and merited, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's, I guess the chip on my shoulder is that, um, you know, I did well, like, um, in 2019, I had a great year. Um, you know, I placed second, I had a whole string of USATF events. Uh, I placed second in the, uh, the Calico trails, a 50 mile, um, to Drew Holman, who, who I'm sure, uh, the audience will probably know who he is. He's a Nike athlete. He was placed like third at Western States. Yeah, and this was crazy. like his coming out party. Like yeah. he battled it out. 
And honestly, I had too many bathroom pit stops and I just couldn't catch the gap at the end. Yeah. So, um, so I had that. And then I rate, uh, Tyler Andrews, who's a Hoka athlete. I raced with him neck and neck at Tussie mountain back and like complete torrential rain. And he ran an incredible debut 50 mile. He ran. He's fast, man. I saw him at Leadville this year. Um, and I'm pretty sure I was hanging out with his crew for a while, which was really cool. It was fun to watch, uh, a competitive crew. You know, cause like, you know, the, the races are out there, that's a hundred miles. So even if they're really fast, they're out there for hours without the crew seeing them at points, but yeah. to sit down and I was like eating lunch with, with his crew and, uh, to sit down and like hear him game planning and all of that. I was like, I was trying not to like say anything. I didn't want to mess up the, the yeah. feng shui between everybody or whatever, you know, but it was, it was cool. It was a, it was a good experience for sure. Yeah. So, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of like, I mean, those, that's the company that I was running with, even if they were not like, they were kind of discovering their talents and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, when we talk about the imposter syndrome, I mean, that's the thing is it's like, I feel like I I'm there. I just hadn't had that breakout performance and mind you, some of it was, uh, maybe work-life balance. I've always worked full time. Yeah. Uh, juggled a lot with different things in terms of schedule and I've always found a way to work running into things um, you know now I have a little bit more flexibility and more life balance I think um, and so that's probably been part of it I'm not showing up to races like half asleep yeah. um, which I think is a huge thing um, so definitely sleep anyone out there that's a huge bit of advice because um, that is where you really recover and recharge and that's um been a secret to my success i think is it's not really a secret but it's definitely something that i think more people need to pay attention to yeah um and so that that's kind of been the story for me a little bit was um you know doing these shorter events usatf you know take it as it is like it's not western states it's not some of those events but i felt like i wanted to make a national team to prove i wanted to try and prove my my worth right and like being on a and representing your country is one of the highest honors you can do as an athlete. At least that's what I had in my mind. Um, <clears throat> and in 2019, I kind of hit that point. Like I, you know, placing second in those two events were resume wise, good enough to possibly do things. And then of course COVID hits. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not going to happen. Um, we did have like a USA solidarity team kind of, that was like a makeshift team, which was cool. We just like did our own, like, uh, like run for six hours kind of thing yeah um but it's still not the same thing it's not man you're not racing it's you're racing people in your head versus like in person you know yeah and so um covid really kind of i think made me reevaluate kind of my self-worth um as an athlete as a person um kind of the goals and things i wanted to get out of out of things because at that point i was 30 years old or like 30 31 and so it's like, I'm hitting the prime of my running potential yeah. endurance. Right. And, um, I kind of felt the clock ticking a little bit and, um, I had never finished a hundred mile race. I kind of had this, like, uh, what do we call it? Monkey on the back kind of thing. Yeah. I had four DNFs, all weird freakish things. I had a pair of shorts that were one size too big by accident and like cause all kinds of weird things. And yeah, list goes on and on. Just um, extreme and all- chafe or what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the- I'm not gonna I'm not gonna elaborate on that stuff, but there's <laughs> there's stuff like yeah, I was running like Eastern States 100, slipped on a rock and pinched a nerve in my back. Oh. Um, and it was just like I don't know how I'm gonna. It's a 
tough course. It's like, I'm not going to climb up these like, you know, 3000 foot hills yeah. slash mountains yeah. in Pennsylvania. Um, so I dropped out of that, but um, I ended up running New Jersey, my home state. Um, I did that January, 2021, uh, did it in, you know, one of the harder times of the year. if you think about winter, yeah. um, but mind you, I'm a snowshoe runner. I've been snowshoeing ever since I got into trail and ultra running. I've uh, been on the national team uh, a handful of times and done that stuff. And so the cold doesn't phase me. I think that's also where I've built more of a familiarity with like adverse conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and really running about 200 miles from the northern point in New Jersey down to the southern point in Cape May, um, setting a unofficial state record or whatever you want to call it, 44 hours, 42 minutes uh 13 36 a mile average including sleeping and all that stuff um that to me opened my eyes to what was possible yeah i felt like that type of journey was like uh there was something i was getting out of it that was like feeding my soul that these other events i was going toward or shooting towards were not doing um yeah why so do you think that is that's what i found interesting because yeah. there's you know as i was looking at what you've done and all that there was this obvious step up i guess in distance and just length of time and multi-day and all of that yep. stuff so like what what are you getting out of that versus these like um kind of like shorter which is funny to say because they're all ultra runs <laughs> these yeah. shorter ultra runs yeah um i think it's just the when you think about the multi-day kind of runs it's there's so much more um well, one, there's so much more that can go wrong. There's more time for things to go wrong. Um, but it's just, it's more about just, I think the mental, it's more about your will to continue versus the pace that you're going, the speed that you're going. You know, if I'm running a road 100K, if I start slowing down 10 seconds a mile, like I'm going to feel like I'm out of the race. Yeah. In a multi-day, I if I have a, a rough patch, I can I can regroup and say, hey, Maybe this half of the day wasn't my best effort, but tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to tackle this new day fiercer than I, than I have ever done before. Right. And so there's something really poetic and beautiful about that approach. And, um, I think that just, again, the chip on the shoulder, the, the mental grit and tenacity, that's something that's just been drilled in me my whole entire life. Right. When someone tells you, Hey, you have talent, you're good, but you still suck. Like. And I'm dead serious. I've had coaches that have told me that stuff. Now my high, my high school coaches were amazing and, and and whatnot. But like, yeah, I mean, I've had that from peers. I've had that just from the outside noise, and and just um, it's tough. You know, it, it, it's very tough mentally, especially when that gets um, in yeah. there. That like does, that message gets in, and yeah, and it I, it can be yeah. a motivator for sure. Like it can be something that motivates people to push on, but. Also, at times, though, I do feel like it can it can just I don't know, it can cause issues. You know what I mean? Like I used to be a high school. I used to be a football coach and I was always like I tried to be conscious of how I was getting my message across to my players because I'm like, you know, like if someone's not performing at the level that they should be performing at, you have to let them know you have to communicate that but it's how you're communicating it. Like what's going to, what's going to motivate, And then it's different for everyone. What's going to motivate them. So yeah, man, that's super interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think 
for me, I kind of <clears throat> think things, I guess, you know, COVID kind of gave me that that time to self-reflect a little bit. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I ultimately kind of came to the conclusion that, um, you know, I wanted to be more of a positive force rather than, than taking any of the negatives, be able to take and use it for something powerful, right? And um, I think when I ran Hellgate in 2019, the weather, that was like the very first glimmer of this like survival, like primal instinctual, like ability that I had inside of me that yeah. I didn't know, I knew, I, I knew something was there, but I didn't know how to tap into it. Again, it's like any fantasy novel or book and or show where like someone can like shoot fire fireballs <laughs> or whatever. Like I knew I had the power. I just didn't know how to tap into it. And so Hellgate, the weather was terrible, by far the worst conditions ever. Freezing rain, ice at the top of the mountains. I almost like slipped off one of the roads. It was so icy. I uh, my pinky is okay now, but it took me like three years to get my I dislocated my pinky. It took me like three years to get that back Dude. to feeling normal. Um but just like surviving through those conditions, because that race is a wild race. You start at uh, midnight, mm -hmm. run all it's through a, the night. Yeah, it's a David Horton race, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, the swag is amazing. I did. <laughs> I, I hit. I. Uh, I don't normally do races for the swag, but <laughs> Hellgate, Hellgate, absolutely. Like the Patagonia swag is totally worth it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> for me, like you know, I finished third there to Mike McGonigal. Um, who is the husband of uh, Lee Yingling. He's a great athlete. Like people don't give him enough credit. Yeah. Um, and then Jack Kunzel, who's, you know, a FKT monster. Yeah. Uh, and so like, uh, you know, I, I put together, it wasn't necessarily a fast time that year, but like the conditions were so adverse that like, um, you know, I was able to kind of just push myself through those uh, hyperthermia kind of like teetering on that, that yeah. fine line all that type of stuff. And I think from there, like that's that, that began that mentality shift. Right. And, and then running New Jersey, yeah. um, that kind of showed some glimmers. And then I caught the bug and was like, I'm going to do Cocodona. Right. Cause it's kind of like, once, once you kind of get a glimpse of this, you're like, I just want to keep pushing my, my limits. And what I learned as an athlete was that, uh, I, and maybe I think about things differently than other people might like, my wife says I'm an alien at this point because I guess my mentally, I I've, I've I think beyond I guess, and yeah. I was like, there's no limits. I have no limits. I, I if if the distance from point A to point B is X, whatever miles it is, I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to the end. Yeah. Like, I feel so strongly about that that I I'm confident in my ability to move myself across that. I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna do the things, go about things the right way whatever happens, happens, but I'll be ready for it. Right. And so, um, I've taken that approach, you know, New Jersey kind of showed me what was cap what was capable. Cocodona was, um, kind of a, a little bit of a freight train. I, I had the worst blisters I've ever had in my life. Um, and I ran more than half the race with like, just let's say decapitated feet pretty much like, I mean, mincemeat feet was terrible. Um, but the way that I finished that race was, uh, so invigorating because I sprinted down the mountain, um, you know, after 80, whatever it was, 82 hours. And I was doing like six something miles at some point, you know, that's like, amazing. I'm, I'm yeah. the camera guy, like you can see you know, <laughs> the live feeds, you can see it. And, yeah, yeah. um, to come from, uh, to come from feeling totally knocked down to feeling like I was a Phoenix rising from the ashes kind of thing. 
Um, after that, like my body felt good after Cocodona, mind you, like at least physically. Yeah. Um, my, my muscles weren't so beat up as I thought they would be. And I was like, huh, if I, if I wanted to run like 300 miles on that day, I could have done it. Like, yeah. and so that's where that seed got planted. It's like, why do we limit ourselves? You know, I spent uh, a decade limiting myself saying, I'm going to only be good at 50 K to hundred K when my potential is endless. Yeah. And I think so many of us put ourselves in boxes. Society puts us in boxes. And what these long runs have done for me has opened my whole framework of how I interpret and approach things. And now I'm at a point where it's like, I want people to go on this, this journey with me because you have everyone has it inside of them. It's just a matter of how deep are you willing to go to find it and pull it out? Yeah. That's the challenge. Yeah. Um, I've found it. Each person has their own journey to to get to that, to find that superpower, but it's there. And I truly believe that. And I want to, I want to support people to help, you know, help whether it's through my own journey, help show them that this is possible because I am not an elite, like elite athlete in the sense that I'm not a Jim Walmsley. I'm not yeah. the most talented physical specimen on the planet, but I've run and I've run and I've run and I've learned and I've taken notes and I've been a student of the sport. And when all else things hit the fan, I've always stayed determined, been resilient, and I've trained my mind to be an impenetrable like force. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when I see so many athletes um, struggle, I feel like, man, if they really focus on cultivating their mental aptitude, this wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the things that I've learned through this whole crazy journey that we call ultra running. <laughs> yeah, no, I love yeah. that, man. Cause that can be applied to every part of your life. You know, like once you find that confidence and you understand what you're willing to like go through and how deep you're willing to dig, that's, that's incredible. Um, I have to hear how that applied to the speed project. So yeah. first of all, tell everyone what this is. This is a crazy thing. I just heard about it uh, because obviously like I recently interviewed Robbie Ballinger um, and all of that. And I'm watching his series on his YouTube channel, uh, which they just released it today. I watched it as it was premiering. I was totally geeking out. So I was excited for that. Um, and it looks hellish, first of all um and it looks really hard and you chose to make it harder on yourself because it's kind of like a choose your own adventure type route thing right so yeah can you kind of dive into that yeah so to to uh sum up the speed project it's uh it's kind of like a barkley marathon in, in some way you have to know someone that knows someone to get into the thing <laughs> um so it's it's very much on the down low there's not a website uh, it's pretty much they do all their correspondence through Instagram and then there's like a special email that you have to that you end up getting connected with and yeah. doing the whole application and all that stuff um, for me luckily I ended up just by cer random circumstances running into someone that knew someone that knew someone that knew someone that was the race director um, and uh, we were sitting at a table uh, leaning into the Boston Marathon and he was like, are you serious? Do you want to do the speed project? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to do speed project. <laughs> like, this is exactly my kind of thing. Um, and so that's how it happened. It, yeah. you know, he reached out to um, 
uh, a mutual connection that gave me the application to fill out, which doesn't mean you're going to get selected. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I ended up getting selected and the rest was history. And um, it's it's a run from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. You guys yep. figure out the way to get there. You yeah, know the start, the you know the end, you get to figure it out. Right. It's an it's a unsanctioned event. There's not like permits or anything. It's a no rules, no spectator kind of kind of event. It's very much self-supported. You have to have a crew. A lot of people rent RVs, which we had an RV. Um, and it's this wild and crazy adventure. It's it was traditionally a relay, yeah. um, like a six person relay. Um, and then a couple years ago, David Kilgore um, like ran the solo and set the record. He was the first, like, first official finisher, um, and that's when it was on my radar. It was like twenty, either I think it was like twenty twenty one. Dude, when you say like no rules across the desert to Vegas, I'm just thinking Mad Max, Fury Road, just it's, yeah, just it's a dude much... playing guitar on front of a car and like you're tying people's shoes together. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's 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 not. It's really it is actually like that. Like it, it very much is like that. Like it's um. It, it it's still hard to like comprehend because it's such a surreal like when you're in the moment it's just yeah. like it's so surreal um but yeah it is like mad max it really was um <laughs> i mean we felt i felt like i was running on mars like through this the at least the last like second half yeah um, like as you but, get by vegas it's just desert pure desert it is. I, yeah. I ran through i ran through death valley so i ran through the southern section leading into what is actually the bad water okay 135 mile course so like I could see like what that race entails in a much more uh, controlled environment. Obviously, it's in March, not in July. So yeah, it was still hot, but it wasn't like 135 degree temperature hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, no, it's a it's a it's a crazy event. It's very much a um, like a seek your own adventure kind of kind of challenge. Um, and I decided that um, <clears throat> I wanted to just to run my own route what could be one thing um most runners and that do the solo um so they run it by themselves which is what i did um they have a you have a crew but you don't have it's not a relay it's just just you um self-powered and they usually do a route that's like 289 miles to about 300 or so yeah um and if that's your most like direct route um the thing is there's a section in the course called the power lines through there which it's very minimally supported. You can't drive an RV on it. Most four by four vehicles struggle too, especially with, we had rain in the forecast. So um, I didn't want to risk anything for one, for my crew. I wanted this to be a fun trip for them um, because my crew and comprised of my wife, Ashley, who's the crew boss, she's awesome. And then we had two of our friends who had never crewed before. They're not runners um, and they, killed it like we yeah. were truly the og team um and so i wanted to make things as easy as possible for them um and so we we chose the og route which no solo runner had ever completed 341 miles from la to vegas takes a little bit more of a northern track um then it kind of is similar to like what most of the other runners will do yeah. and then it at um the town of um baker it goes north where everyone else kind of goes east to Vegas and it goes north through Death Valley, um, which was insane. It was like the, the highlight, I would say. Yeah. Um, 
and then you kind of like ascend the massive mountain and then descend down into Vegas. It's a marathon downhill into Vegas. That's cool. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like uh, for me, it wasn't about winning. It was about making a statement. It was about saying how many people, there's only going to be one person that completes this for the first time ever in the history of this event. It was a 10 year anniversary for the event. And I really thought deep about it and was like, I, I want to be the first first solo runner to complete this route ever. Because if I do this, there will if someone runs faster than me, great. Records are meant to be broken, but no one will ever take away me achieving being the first one to ever do this. It's yeah. like walking on the moon, right? It's like uh, the hardest thing is to be the first, I think. Yeah. And so um, I wanted that challenge. And I, I was not afraid of the extra distance. I, I felt like it was a welcome a welcome sign for me. It was like, it was calling me to say, Hey, this is the challenge that you need to take. Um, and so we took it on. Was there any point, any point where in your brain for like a second, you were like, why am I doing an extra 50 miles on this thing? Did that happen uh, at all? Yeah. The last six miles, <laughs> the last six just miles. the last bit. Yeah. Um, honestly, so from an execution standpoint, this was like the, my best executed race ever. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, from the crew standpoint, from my standpoint, my feet were in, in uh, absolutely perfect. Like literally like zero blisters. There's like maybe like one that I had that was not even bothering me. Yeah. And that was it for 346 miles. Cause I got a little bit turned around. Yeah. Um, and, um, no, it was just like, uh, you know, mentally, I think I was so there, I was so strong. Um, I, as a crew, I think we were so synergistic that we fed off of each other. And like, I wanted to do so well for them and they wanted to do well for me. And so when you have that positive energy, it's like, it's like a nuclear reactor. I mean, like it's so yeah. self-sustaining and, um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously it hurt, obviously there was tough moments, but like, I never like let that shield down. Like really my mind was like, just so focused on just running the best getting the most out of myself. And it was only until that very end where I kind of knew that the deed was done, but I was running out of steam. Yeah. I was like, I need food. I need to take a nap. I'm like, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm losing my visual focus. And uh, um, <clears throat> in that moment, it was awesome. My wife ended up actually running the last bit with me. Yeah. Faster than she has ever done for that distance. Yeah. Um, and I just needed somebody to help kind of like be my eyes for me because my eyes were just so exhausted. Um, and, uh, that was it, but on, it was, that's the thing that I can't get over is that I was just so on, I've never been that on for like days in a run before. That's the crazy. thing that focus and that energy to be that, I don't know. I just feel, I, I always feel like it has to take a lot of energy to be that focused, but maybe like you just adapt to the focus and that's all you're living in at the time like was that the experience i think so i mean i think it was just um i think also the confidence of like the things that we were doing earlier on were really paying off and like just that i was feeling like each day i felt stronger and stronger and stronger yeah and um i mean when you're four almost four days into something and you're feeling like you're just woke out of woke up out of bed it's like like yeah so you have some tightness and stuff but like give me the Theragun and all of a sudden, boom, like I'm feeling back to normal again. It's just, that stuff just blows your, blows my mind blows. I think it would blow anyone's mind really is like, how can you be over 300 miles into a run 
and still feel fresh, still be able to run a nine or 10 minute mile, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the heat of the day, it doesn't make any sense. So it doesn't, but it's really cool <laughs> that that's the experience, you know? And it's, yeah. it's the whole, it's, was it one of those moments where you kind of realized like all of your training and all of the knowledge you've built has led to that moment you were in, you know, like, yeah. 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 And so you're using all these tools you picked up along the way and just putting it together. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think for me, like, I mean, again, I may not be the necessarily the fastest runner. Like I, I am fast, like, a, a, you know, a three hour and three minute 50 K is not slow. No, non-carbon, not at all. Shoes, mind you non-carbon plate issues so um but um you know just i don't know my i i think i feel like the a good word is like tenacity like i just have this like like bulldog mentality of just like just getting it done and um i mean i hardly even walked this the whole entire time i ran probably we were trying to figure out like exactly how much but like just imagine moving at a pace between 10 and 13 minutes a mile for like the whole time like if I was in motion, that's the pace I was running uphill, that's, downhill, yeah. flat, heat, cold, whatever, yeah. rain, sleet, mud on trail. Like, and that's that I think my crew got to see it firsthand, like just how, uh, resilient I was and like how determined I was. Um, cause I just did not let up. The only times I let up was when I was taking a nap or like that, that type of stuff, which we had planned sleeps that worked out really well. Yeah, I think, can you tell me about that a little bit? Because I know that's like yeah. a huge aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, we, um, so the main plan was every, uh, for every 12 hours, I wanted to be moving for 10 and resting for two. Anytime that I was at the van getting support, so whether I'm grabbing a Snickers bar, whether I'm uh, taking my untapped maple uh, maple syrup or whatever, um, that time goes against my two hour clock. And so my goal was whatever I had remaining was what I was going to sleep. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that averaged to about an hour and a half, an hour or so. Yeah. Um, and so like every day, that's about the minimum that I slept. Um, and where in the past Cocodona, I was doing like a lot of like 15 minute naps and stuff mm. more fre frequently. And it got to a point where I just wasn't sleeping enough and I got things caught up to me. And then I was like delirious. Yeah. Where what was different with this run was that I was very, very clear minded the whole time until the very, 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 very end. Um, and that was also another like victory in of itself. You know, like, I mean, I didn't have pacers. It was just me running. I had my crew following at points behind the van, but usually they would go up ahead yeah I try to run to them in the night and see the lights or whatever um and so you know it's just you know again it's one of those those things where it's like how did I do that you know yeah. you just um you, you just do sometimes I think uh I think of it like equated to survival a lot too like if your your options are die or survive what are you going to do are you going to curl up in a ball and say no more or are you going to say I'm going to go one more yeah. And so um, I do feel like I have that survival mentality, like whatever's thrown at me, I'm going to take it for what it is and figure out how to be able to maximize what I can do in the moment and keep persisting, keep moving on, keep going. Right. Yeah. How good did that Vegas sign look when you were approaching that? <laughs> it's funny because it was so um, I was so tired. I was in such a fog that. 
um it didn't really hit like i was just like i'm like running with my wife ashley i'm like oh my goodness there it is like finally like it just it, it didn't feel as like you know when you have a grand finish line it didn't feel so grand until like the next day when it was like holy crap like once everything <laughs> sunk in and like you got actually a real nice sleep yeah it was like wow i can't believe i that just happened yeah um but yeah it was uh i mean it's still a really cool finish line um even at like midnight it was it was cool um but yeah, yeah. and i'm sure you're still processing like, i mean what was that a week ago or something i'm trying yeah. to remember dang man so yeah i'm 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 sure you're still kind of like processing <laughs> the lessons processing the experience you know yeah for sure i mean i think uh you know again the lesson i want people to know is that like anything's possible like don't set limits on yourself. Just be a good student of the sport and like figure out ways and strategies to be better. Right. And so yeah. like for me, my feet were a disaster at Cocodona. So I changed, changed up my sock routine, you know, made sure my feet were lubricated, checked them periodically, like did things that I, I, that I, that I didn't do at Cocodona and my feet looked incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, just, um, I packed for every kind of weather because we had every kind of weather in this, this run it's supposed to be running through the desert, right? So it's supposed to be hot. Um, well, we had sleet and rainstorms and windstorms. And our, and I would say our crew doing the OG route, we were so lucky because there was points where I know the other runners were getting absolutely pummeled by rain. Dude, and we were yeah. in like these patches where like the rain was like swirling around us <laughs> and we were just getting like light drizzle with wind and it was like clear. And it was, it would follow, follow this track for hours. We have, my wife has screenshots of this where it was like, it was like mother nature was like looking out for us a little bit. Like it was <laughs> like, was like either tempting us to, because we had those moments where we were really challenged, Yeah. but it, it never got so dire. Like it didn't rain so much that the, the dirt paths that you have to go on in certain sections were completely flooded, which yeah. we thought could very well be a possibility. Like this TSP run might just stop. Like, yeah. I might have to, I might have to not finish. I may not be able to run the OG route because it might be impass impassable. Yeah. There might be, you know, rivers I have to cross, you know, like how, how much of no rules can you do it? And the main, the main thing that they hit home is safety to the crew, safety to the runner. So, yeah. and I made it clear to my crew, like if anything became too risky, like we're just going to, it doesn't matter. Like this is a grand adventure. Like, um, it's okay if, you know, if, if something got so dire, like we, ha we have to worry about the safety of us all first and the run second. So yeah. luckily we didn't have to get there. And I get to talk to you here today, kind of about this crazy, uh, crazy thing that we all did, but, um, dude, after doing Okay. So I, I usually avoid this question until yeah. after the podcast, but, uh, cause I, cause I'm always like, I hate the question of what's next because I'm like, yeah. I want you to understand how much you should be excited about what you just accomplished. And, you know, like I love people who like take their time and take it in. And like, that's a f insane accomplishment that like nobody, like barely anyone's ever done. You know what I mean? But, yeah. and the only reason I'm going to ask you like, what are your next plans is because it's like, what do you do after something like this which sounds so cool so unique so hard and now all of a sudden you're like i gotta i want to do something probably like i'm assuming 
you liked it and you want to do so something similar to it again but like what is there <laughs> yeah i guess i mean uh it's it's funny because i think i'm gonna start i'm gonna focus on some shorter stuff uh for a little while <laughs> yeah yeah um, only reason being was you know i think T the tsp experience opened my eyes to show me that there I, that i don't have any limits like yeah i i personally feel like um if i have the things that i know i need to have shored up you know the, the 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 crew or like this that support my mental strength the training and preparation you know the, the just the consistent miles that i have a lifetime of miles to pull from um and just great nutrition as well i'm a whole foods based runner yeah um, and i kind of made that shift in 2018 and since doing that that's changed the game for me um and so It'd be, I should say, yeah, I'm going to go run 500 miles, right? But it's, um, I feel like I, I, you know, there's not that many events that are like that far, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And it does take, you got to respect the recovery and all that stuff. So, yeah. you know, ultimately for me, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I like to run some 200s, that kind of thing. Um, I like, I like the events that are kind of still in the multi-day kind of family. So I think for me, like anything above a hundred miles, like that's, that's where I like to live, uh, in any kind of extreme, ex extreme cold, extreme hot, the yeah. temperature swings. Like I, I like to, I think as an <clears throat> athlete, that's where I'm kind of co coming from at this point. That's what kind of scratches that itch and kind of like urge for adventure. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, for the rest of the year, not, nothing, nothing crazy. I, I've signed up for the Quebec mega trail hundred mile. Um, and the reason in doing it is one, it's a, um, it's a day's drive from Rhode Island, the littlest state in the United States, which has great trails, mind you. And I hope can the whole New England region can become more of a hotbed for trail runners because yeah. it, it, the, the running community in, in New England is incredible. Um, anyway, that's a quick little plug. But, <laughs> you um, should, yeah, plug away. But yeah, so it's a close drive uh, to Canada. And um, the grand prize for the 100 mile is to run the Grand Raid um diagonal defu the race that courtney dewalter won okay um i mean it just looks incredible and i mean uh if you have a grand prize that pay is an all-expense paid trip to run that race and all that stuff it's like that's one of the best damn prizes that i've ever heard of so yeah it's like well yeah i want to try and run that like whether i get it or not it it that's irrelevant but it's like that's such a great carrot on the stick to chase yeah so that's one that's what i'm going to go after in the short term that's awesome um, you know i might run the fall is kind of up in the air because it depends on how that race shakes out yeah but ultimately i'd like to run a 200 mile race um there's a, a race closer to you called the cowboy 200 okay that's um kind of piqued my interest it's a flat fast 200 miler in nebraska oh yeah uh, man yeah i've, I've yeah. uh known some people who have ran it yeah so that's on my radar I'd, I'd like to just go out and throw down a insane fast 200 mile time um kind of play off of the new jersey part of it just you know le less logistics i guess yeah, yeah. You're on a rail trail the whole time versus yeah. having to navigate new jersey traffic which is another another thing another podcast <laughs> uh onto itself and um uh, i don't know we'll see i mean 20 i will tell you this 24 uh 2024 i am looking to try and um, I've never run a golden ticket race. Um, I've never done any of that stuff, UTMB or any of that. So 
Um, I do feel like it's time for me to, I feel like I'm strong enough mentally and I think I'm ready as an athlete to just go after some of those kinds of things and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't happen, then it's no harm, no foul, but at least I can say, Hey, I ran black Canyon and you know, yeah. I finished X place and didn't get a golden ticket, but at least I was close, you know, it just, just scratch that itch. Um, yeah. at least I can say that I've tried it versus never saying I've never done any of those. Yeah. Um, and then I think for me, the future is multi-day stage racing, like marathon to sob, um, the four deserts race series, those <sighs> kinds of things interest me. Um, oh yeah, man. I mean, I, when I got into trail and ultra running, I remember Ryan Sands winning the four desert series. And like that to me was ultra running. I was yeah. like, I want to do that. And it's still in my mind. Like, I still want to do that. Obviously those events, the multi-day stage racing is very expensive. They don't come cheap. Um, you know, they're travel, they're like travel expeditions or excursions. And so I'd like to work those in, in the next couple of years and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, man. So that's, that's what's on my radar, you know, fun things like, um, I would love to try and run the Arrowhead 135 mile wind Arctic race and then run Badwater in the same year and see <laughs> if I can run the fastest combined time or whatever, you know? Oh, I mean? that'd be cool. Yeah. No, that'd like, be really stuff cool. Like that. So that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of where I, where, where I'm kind of like positioning myself. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't see myself being someone that is going to try and just run UTMB every single year. Tour de Jeans maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I like the challenge of what these, again, these longer multi-day events do to you. They strip you down and it's so much more than just your physical ability as an athlete. It's really yeah. just your willingness to survive and, and kind of thrive. Yeah, no, that's amazing, man. Where, uh, where can people kind of follow your, your journey? I know I'll be a fan from here on out. So we have to do a podcast again after you do all those crazy things, but, uh, but yeah, where can people follow along? Um, so I'm on, I'm on all this, all the social stuff. Um, a lot of mine's, uh, like my tag for Instagram is at Cole Crosby 41. Um, I mean, people want to reach me through email. Like I have, that's my email too. Nice. I have that my tag on Twitter, yeah. Facebook. I think it's differently. Just search Cole Crosby. If all else fails, just type in Cole Crosby ultra runner. And I'm sure you're going to see something where, um, it goes to, when I ran New Jersey or some like articles and that stuff. And I'm sure you'll be able to kind of find me through that stuff. Um, Heck yeah. And I have a website too called cresting the summit, which I don't know if I'm going to change that, that name, but that's something that I've kept uh, since I got into trail and ultra running in 2012, 13, I started a little blog and kind of kept that up to date. Nice, man. I'll link that on here too. And uh, okay. all that, but yeah, man, Cole, thank you for coming on the show, man. I, like I said, I I'm, truly blown away with with everything but the speed project especially in uh robbie i was i was messaging with him he had nothing but amazing things to say about you so oh, he, you. he was like i can't even fully wrap my head around what he was able to accomplish so, uh, <laughs> so yeah man yeah. so huge congrats and uh, yeah dude let's do this again in the future thank you thank you and just my last closing re remarks for everybody is if you're an east coast runner especially Listen, just because you don't live up at altitude doesn't mean you can't throw down with the best of them, right? Put in the hard work every day, do the hill repeats, like just train harder. Like I'm not saying run yourself into the ground, but be be a smarter student of the sport. And I guarantee you like that hard work over time is going to really pay dividends for you uh, down the road. And that's 
kind of my my story my mo you know yeah. i live in rhode island and i shouldn't be able to run technically as well as i have been but that's all because of hard work and just being smart that's amazing man plus you got that spider web toughness so spider web toughness that's right the extra <laughs> extra calcium or whatever it is <laughs> awesome man well cole we'll catch up with you sometime in the future sounds great thanks so much right. guys see ya all right that wraps up this week's episode uh huge thanks to cole and uh yeah all all respect to the east coast spider web toughness in trail running i kind of missed the like grittiness the ticks i i mean i don't know i don't really want to say i miss the ticks but i kind of do a little bit like you know there was a point where i'd get back to my car in virginia when i started trail running and i would just be disgusting like sweat everywhere because of how humid it was covered in dirt spider like pulling spider webs out of my hair like that's not joking like that's that's legitimately like what it's like on some of those trails and then you just spend like five minutes searching your body for ticks and then you pull them off and like th i'd like throw them out the window it was disgusting but i miss it i miss some aspects of that because in a weird way it 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 brings me back to the experience of just being a human being and uh and living on this planet you know like kind of in a weird way being part of your surroundings you know and at least where i am right here in like on like the front range in colorado uh it's just it's different the trail running is different and i really enjoy it too and obviously like i love it it's one of my favorite things to do um but there was something to be said, like when you're running through like 90% humidity, <laughs> like I would in the summer in Virginia, it would almost be like you were swimming through the air down the trail. And I don't know, there's just something that, uh, that instantly connected me to the sport. Uh, and I love being able to talk to people like Cole who are really doing their best to become elite at it. And they're pushing, pushing, pushing. They're trying to find where their limits are and then when you talk to someone like cole who just had this amazing race where everything kind of came together and you kind of realize like even doing the hardest thing you've ever done it's not even like scratching the surface of what you're capable of and i think that is so beautiful and i think that's a wonderful reminder and uh yeah and i hope for the best for him i'm i'm excited to kind of see where his journey takes him you know he's an amazing ultra runner and i just love people who are setting their sights like really really big and so that's super cool so yeah uh that wraps up this week's episode i hope you all are enjoying may and yesterday we finally had our like first kind of warm day outside here in Colorado and it was magnificent. I absolutely loved it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you are getting out, you're exploring, you're setting your own goals, you're getting excited for summer and, and all of that. And, uh, yeah, we'll get back at you all next week.